This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Damsels Who Discuss. I'm Alexia. And I'm Gally, and we're discussing Disney. Disney again. It's always Disney. It's always, at least so far, it's always Disney. Maybe one day we'll, we'll divert. But as of now, ooh, I hit a button. <laughs> always saying buttons. Uh, how are you doing? <clears throat> I'm, I'm doing all right. Um, I'm coming off of the high of us recording uh, Saludos Amigos. I'm ready to watch the indirect sequel to Saludos Amigos, The Three Caballeros, uh, where we get to see the same people doing the same weird-ass shit. Very, very that, but also, so, just really quickly, for the few episodes so far where I've done the summary, I've normally done, like, pretty long, kind of lengthy ones, and I will say that most of the time, the reason I'm able to do that is because the, the movie I'm summarizing has had a plot. It's way, (laughs) that sounds like a serious diss, but it's like, it's way easier to weave in comedic jokes and like to make things exaggerated and, you know, to kind of turn it into a thing when you can actually weave around a narrative. But I wrote the summary again for this one and I really don't have much. And it's just because narratively, just rewind it back. Let's rewind it back a little bit. Let's take two. Exactly. Anyway, narratively, like I was seeing, there's not a whole lot that happens in here. Um, So I have here the regular summary. Donald Duck, in honor of his birthday, is gifted an extraordinary present. An enormous box filled with magical traveling treasures. A A film reel starts us with a little penguin who goes on a journey to the Galapagos Islands in search of warmer climates. A flying donkey and his gauchito rider. And finally reunites us with Jose Carioca. Jose takes Donald into a pop-up book to Bahia in Brazil, and Panchito Pistola shows up with a magical piñata to take them on a musical journey through Mexico. Yeah. And the quote-unquote like, actual version of that is not all that different because that's mostly what happens, but Donald Duck, Panchito Pistola, and Jose Carioca form an exceptionally womanizing group of birds that go on an acid trip of an experience through many different countries. A seemingly good movie is ruined once again because a bitch had to. Yep. And what I mean by that is not because it, this is a thing that I've also noticed that happens in, in a lot of um, particularly older, older media, mm-hmm. which is, and this is going to sound like, oh my God, women, 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 but this is thoroughly a, pro- a product of misogyny. But as soon as a woman is introduced into the plot of a movie or TV or whatever the case that it, it may be, it thoroughly derails things in a way that I personally don't like and find extremely negative. It's almost like an anti-Bechdel test. So yeah, like where the yeah. Bechdel test is uh, focusing yeah, on. Yeah. So the Bechdel test is um, definitely recommend Googling it for more info, but uh, it was created by Alison Bechdel, who's a fabulous uh, comic artist as well. Highly recommend her fun house funhouse comic um anyway the bestial test is a test to see if two women in a film in a piece of media are going to have a conversation that doesn't revolve around a male character so it's basically showing that like the female characters don't just exist to push the male plot forward a lot of films fail it 
They, they do. And I was going to ask, because I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank personally, do you have any examples of either failures or successes? Mm. Like off the top of your head? I mean, I think a failure uh, would, wow. I am also having a hard time thinking I'm, of like- I'm Googling this. I'm Googling the, uh, oh, here we go. I found a, just like a thing that movies that well, pass and wait, fail. Wait, actually, sorry. <laughs> I have some ideas for this. Um, okay. So <laughs> um, take this with a grain of salt, but I feel like a, an example of a failure of the Bechdel test is most of the Batman movies. But an example of a success of the Bechdel test is the Harley Quinn TV series. Agree and agree. I'm also going to give you, um, this is from backstage.com. This is just like a limited number of movies that do and do not pass the Bechdel test. Mm -hmm. This is movies that fail. And again, they even say, this is just a few. This is Breakfast at Tiffany's from 1961. The entire Lord of the Rings trilogy from 2001 to 2003 Yes. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, um, the 2011 American version. The movie Zero Dark Thirty in 2012, also 2012, The Avengers. Uh, two films from 2013, Pacific Rim and Gravity, and 2016's Arrival. Yes, and Fail. I would say when you think about those films, think about how many of them have A, a fair amount of female characters, B, mm -hmm. female characters that interact with other female characters on the screen, and C, if those female characters do interact with each other, what are they discussing? Does it have to do with the male main character and moving his plot forward? And that's that's really what yeah. that is. So that's a uh, hell of an introduction to this. It is. Uh, and also, just because I feel like I need to counter it from the same article, a few that passed the Bechdel test, 2003-2004, uh, Kill Bill, both volumes, hmm. 2013's Frozen, Mad Max Fury Road from 2015, Hidden Figures from 2016, Wonder Woman 2017, Coda 2021, and they say here, several unexpected movies also get a passing grade, including 1985's Weird Science, 1990's Goodfellas, 1995's Showgirls, which is one of my favorite terrible movies. Oh, yes, Showgirls is such I a I know, we, we both have our hands on our chests oh. out of love. <laughs> um, 2001's American Pie 2. And here's a personal favorite uh, that I did not think was going to be on here. 2008's Twilight huh there's women in that thing that have a conversation other than men i like i think that blows my mind simply because i've recently reread the books and i've watched the riff tracks versions of those movies now i will also say watching a riff tracks is different because you're not really listening to the primary dialogue you're mostly listening to the secondary commentary that's the only but, way i watch it or with robert pattinson's commentary right right but not doing that it's been a while since i've seen actual twilight just end to end and i'm genuinely struggling to think of a conversation that happened between two female characters that wasn't about a man in some capacity but clearly there was a couple uh because the because the list says so but anyway the huh. whole reason i bring that up is because and we'll get to this as well but halfway through the um bahia number which I'm actually really kind of impressed with myself because I have two pages of notes. They're both on like when the flip in the backside, yeah. you can see where my opinion changes based on the flip in the page. And that wasn't even on purpose, but you can actually see like my notes halfway through Bahia go from this is gorgeous to flipping over to like, this is a choice. My, my notes get, um, 
my notes get decidedly more crazy as <laughs> as the movie goes on and I end up like writing them larger and taking up more space like I can actually Same. see yeah but I think both of us can see our minds deteriorating <laughs> as we watch this what 74 minute film 72 minutes it's a 71. 72 minute long 72 70, 72 okay I was like I'm, I just never <laughs> a minute or two here or there when your mind is already out the door at the door but maybe Ugh. maybe we should uh <laughs> should we start at the beginning to to disney's second package film and part of the reason yes. why it has such a crazy non-plot plot yes we can but i would also like to say that wikipedia says the official running time is 71 minutes and google says that it is one hour and 11 minutes so <laughs> my god the <laughs> disney fandom site says that the running time is 72 minutes uh-oh let's get Ooh. wikipedia and uh disney fandom to fight yeah let's do it start the wars now start it. all right <laughs> so i i will say that i read a little about like i skimmed the wikipedia before this while the intro was playing which i will say is kind of my usual uh thing and normally i have seen the movie before so it's mostly just sort of brushing up on some trivia before i go in and i will say also when i do see movies like pinocchio what have you where i've seen them before um i do a lot more research because i have a little bit more of the freedom to do so but when I read about this one, I was actually expecting, um, and I think maybe just because the precedent that was mentally set for me by Mary Poppins and um, Ben on Broomsticks was when it was like saying a live action animation combo, I was expecting it more like that. Yeah. But I should have also remembered that this was quite some time ago. Yeah. Some time I, before that even. Yeah, this is, I, I believe this is actually the first uh, Disney film where we're seeing a mix of live action interacting with animation. So not just um, not just what we've seen in the past where it's just you see like beautiful live action, uh, uh, you know, sweeping shots of things and then Excuse we me. blend into some type of animation. This is actually people interacting with the you're, animation. You're right, because the last example that we'll have, um, I just brought up the list of movies we've seen so far, is going to be Fantasia. Mm -hmm. And Fantasia had that definitive line drawn where it was like, this is a section of the orchestra, here's an animated section. This is the first time that, you're right, Disney attempted to blend the two. But I will also say that it came a little bit later in the movie than I was expecting, because by the time it showed up, I'd kind of forgotten it was going to happen. Yeah, that's totally fair. Well... So yeah, so if we go, if we go to the very beginning of the movie, um, mm -hmm. it it opens with the the loosest concept of Donald lives in his duck void. I assume <laughs> there's no like yeah. there's no real background. It's just kind no. of color, and he gets a giant package that's filled with gifts. And there's a card there, and the card is uh, all in. I don't I know if it's Portuguese. Spanish or it's Portuguese. Yeah, I assume it's Portuguese because it's from Jose. And yeah. I I made a couple of notes here because uh, Donald first attempts to read it and then it immediately translates into English. Um, and it says, uh, it says, uh, felicitations to Donald Duck on his birthday, Friday 13, from his friends in Latin America. So, one... Donald's birthday is Friday, oh, Friday the thirteenth. Um, does that mean like every month? There's a every time there's a Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> is it his birthday? That's that age once a uh, once a month. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe not month once a month, but like that's a lot of that's a lot of birthdays. Um. 
Second, I think this is the only time I've ever seen the word felicitations. Have you ever... I've seen it, but in, like, Victorian literature. Okay, that, that explains it. Like, I see, like, salutations and things like that. Um, I really like that that it was signed by just the generic friends in Latin America because it kind of sounds like a veiled threat. Okay, Donald Duck, it's from your friends in Latin America. Don't worry about it. We might be New Yorkers in Latin America. It's fine. And I meant to bring this up last time, but part of the reason I think this is also so interesting is because Donald Duck um, has an official military history. Ooh, do tell. So I'm here, uh, according to the Department of Defense, and this is from military.com, but you can find this story in various places. According to the Department of Defense, Donald Duck was officially drafted into the U.S. Army in 1941 before the U.S. entered the war. This is relevant because it would explain also kind of why he's traveling a bit around because I'd wondered about that. Yeah. Um, On May 1st, 1942, he made his first military appearance in the cartoon, Donald Gets Drafted, where his draft cards list his actual middle name, Fauntleroy. Donald uh, Fauntleroy, Fauntleroy Duck. Duck. Uh, wow. Scrolling down, scrolling down. Uh, Donald was making patriotic cartoons and training to fight the enemy. Um, and cause there's a whole... The reason I brought this up is A, because it's relevant to what we're discussing and his traveling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and B, I learned about this, I believe, on the Titanic Minute podcast... <laughs> Um, and I don't remember how or why they brought it up, but I think they were talking about his actual, like, uniform, because Donald does wear a very particular naval uniform, and they looked it up, and it's because he actually was officially, because he was officially drafted into the U.S. Army, he technically has a military record that had to be officially unsealed in order to be discussed. So, if it is all official, then I have one very big question for you. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, if he was officially drafted into the military and has to wear an official military uniform, are they also forcing him to wear pants? At least when he's fighting, I assume so. They do seem to be very um, up about uniforms. Yeah, is there are? I, I'm just like, I should maybe look up Donald Duck in his in his uniform. Yeah, uh, I bring this up for a couple of reasons. Because we discussed Donald it, Duck military service record is a recommended search. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, but because you brought up briefly last time how these movies in particular were meant to generate a sense of patriotism, especially among Latin Americans with, you know, war efforts. Yeah. And I find it really, really interesting that if you look at it, it's like that's actually got precedent in weird history um and in 1984 he was given an honorable discharge in honor of his services by appearing in world war ii cartoons and as a world war ii mascots which was (laughs) i mean it's it's just really interesting because like we're talking about it and it's very funny but when you think about it in a broader concept it's sort of like that's how integral disney is and has been to world culture yeah and i think that that's really important to keep in mind where it's like we're talking about it haha very funny and it is funny where you're kind of like dude a fucking cartoon duck has a military record but it just goes to sort of show you how deep efforts can go to the point where you're like hey i don't just want to have like wonder woman uh drawn wearing uh an air force uniform 
Mm-hmm. I want to create an official profile for we're going to draft Diana to the Air Force. There's going to be an official record for her. And yeah, at the end of it, when we discharge her, it's going to be, thank you for starring in those beautiful cartoons. Like, it seems silly, but the point is that you went through all the effort to do that and because it wasn't just to you, it wasn't simply a visual effort. It, that wasn't enough. It had to be a, this real gesture. I'm sorry, this was like an incredibly strange rant. Well, but <laughs> I, like I do think it's really fascinating to hear about uh Donald Duck's time in the military the fact that the US government was um really uh, a you know there's I think what's really interesting about all of this is this is a level of optics that would not fly today and we just don't see like no. We, we don't see cartoon characters trying to enlist people in the military because there would be way too many protests about how stupid that is. Um, like, True. and um, what we see instead is the the advertisements trying to make the military look really hip and cool. Like, hey, do you like playing video games? Well, yeah. how about you join the Air Force where you can pretend you're playing a video game as, you know, you're dealing with drones, which is, mm-hmm. you know, argue, argue the efficacy of all of that all you want. It's just fascinating that, like, I, I just can't imagine the government going to Disney at this point in time. Can you saying, imagine? Have a war, do this. Can you imagine? Like, this is going to sound like I'm making a joke, but it's it's equally as logical as the pitch that they must have made. Can you imagine my going to someone and being like, I need to take Sailor Moon and make her the face of, I don't know, like an extreme left vigilante movement. Yeah. I'm going to need you to let me do that fully using her name, voice, copyright, and appearance. And not only that, you need to be okay with it. Um, you're also on board with it. So you are full in for this. Like, can you imagine my going to any company and being able to say, I want you to directly, outrightly, publicly, and internationally affiliate your extremely popular brand with a highly charged message? Not in the United States. I I I I like actually yes. your example of Sailor Moon 100% I could see that happening in Japan because Japan is such a huge mass culture. Di- I, I'm sorry, I'm but, sorry, I'm sorry. But... I'm talking about the United States everybody. I was yeah. using Sailor Moon because I didn't want to use another Disney character and then I completely fell short of iconic people. Oh, like Barney. Barney. Like, uh, there that's we what, go. That's what it would be. It would be like uh, the US government using like big constructing bird. Barney or Big Bird. Yeah. Yeah, and Which... I mean that sounds silly but it's like these are childhood icons that we're, we're bringing up. And again, like this is a 20 minute long thing, but you know, I, I feel as though the culture is extremely relevant because, you know, we, you know, I look at this movie now and, you know, I made that comment that I made where it's like, oh, I got ruined when a woman showed up, but it's like, it has nothing to do with the women. It has everything to do with the fact that we structured this plot, quote unquote, in such a way where it was rife for that to happen. And like going back to you know, already just at the very intro where he's getting these, these presents. I will say that the, in the very, very oh. first, sorry. Well, sorry. I want to wrap up one more thing though. about oh, please do. Donald please Duck do. Military service. So yeah, cause firstly, I've only brought it up. So <laughs> firstly, um, I, I do just want to, want to close the loop and make sure that everyone gets the closure that they need. Donald Duck's military uniform did not include pants. So yes, I guess I'm sorry. No. Um, and there's, 
uh patches of his um yeah like there are if you if you search for this there's uh, military patches that you can find um and one of them is him i i'm not entirely sure what this is but it's some type of nazi plane that he seems to be grabbing and flying with um very interesting to look at this patch uh, if you google vp-2 parole squadron patch donald duck you will find it and it's just a fascinating little thing to look at excuse me just just doing that real quick uh because i had something (laughs) this thing has teeth yeah, it's like I don't. I Is think he holding it's supposed onto to be a, a U boat out of water? Ooh, that might be it. But it's like it has teeth. It has teeth. It Sorry, seems to be a German U boat. You might be right. This the is the patch that I have up here. Is it's it's split color, blue and yellow. Um, and on the yellow side, it looks like um, just a house with a palm tree and the Japanese flag, and the blue has um, a plane with torpedoes coming out of it going towards the house and donald duck is in front of it holding a gun in one wing and it looks like a he's wearing a wireless headset and holding the um the speaker i don't remember the technical word in his other hand and and he's sweating profusely i truly don't understand the implication of this where he's just like oh shit it's happening right (laughs) well that's just bizarre but yeah so what the fuck were we talking why did i bring up the military Oh my god, I brought it up because of the last episode. I'm so sorry. Yeah, this was more of a continuation of... of, of I mean, it, it all kind of relates because I think these this film is still part of the uh, goodwill tour, basically, of Latin America and trying to keep Nazis from taking hold. Because it did come out in 1944. Yes, it did. But yes, so... Donald gets a gigantic box of presents, a very confusing note that he's able to apparently translate or maybe God is apparently able to translate. One or the other unclear um and i believe the first gift is a a a film reel yes that he sells yes um and that's where uh our trusty narrator who just exists again don't don't know who he is i the first the narrator for the first segment for the penguin segment though is sterling holloway and if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because that's Winnie the Pooh. I knew it. I knew it was Winnie the Pooh. It is. It's Winnie the Pooh. Sterling Holloway is the uh, is the narrator. And if you're also like he's extra extra familiar, he's he's a bunch of roles so far. He was Mr. Stork in Dumbo, um, and Adult Flower in Bambi. So we've already seen him in two movies. Yeah. Um, and here's where I recognize him from: The Cheshire Cat in Alice. Ka in the Jungle Book and wrote for the mouse and the Aristocats. I was like, I knew that voice from somewhere. But yes, we all know him as Winnie the Pooh. So we're gonna we're gonna keep what was his name again? Sterling Holloway. Let's just Sterling keep him in a pin a pin in Sterling Holloway and move on because I could go on a tangent for that as well. So keep him in not. your hearts, in your minds, yes, please, and in your souls because you're gonna hear that name again. <laughs> yes, we love you, Sterling Holloway. We miss you very much. <laughs> So, so yeah, so the first uh, short is The Cold-Blooded Penguin, which mm-hmm. is about a penguin named Pablo um, who wants to live in a warm climate. Which... Despite never having been to a hot climate before, which, like, 
Yeah. Okay. And they like, and I like, I, I liked one particular penguin in this <laughs> short. Um, they show at the very beginning, they show a bunch of penguins having fun and playing, and they're all kind of happy, chubby little penguins. And then they show this one penguin who's ice fishing. And he mm. looks so incredibly down on his luck. Yes. He looks like the Gomer pile of penguins. Um, mm. And he keeps showing up. You see him again. Yes. When they all wave goodbye and he just kind of keeps showing up. Yes. He's like the long, weary, yeah. the Eeyore, the Eeyore penguin, if you will. Yes. He is the tall penguin. Um, I named him Lanky Nihilist Pengu. Because he just—he seems like he doesn't care about anything. He's just kind of like, "All right, I guess I'll help. I have nothing else going on." Fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, uh, we Pablo decides to just literally set off for the Galapagos Islands, and I'm not trying to rush through this one because I'm like, whatever, let's just move on. But I, I do want to say that the cold-blooded penguin is then followed by um, another cute little uh, short called "The Flying Gauchito." And I like how these two were sort of linked in the way that the movies from Saludos Amigos were. Yeah. And that it kind of tried to link a narrative thread. It's like, well, we were here and now we've gone to the Galapagos Islands. And hey, now that we're here, let's go to Uruguay. And hey, how about a trip to Brazil? You know, it's like, hey, from here to 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 here. And I understand that. And I I do like that because to be fair, not a whole lot happens in the cold-blooded penguin. We also don't see a lot of places. But it's a reasonable way to get from a place to a place and demonstrate that we're going on a journey. Yeah. And I mean, really, all that um, all that you need to know about this is uh, Cold Penguin wants to go someplace warm. Does. Does by getting on a, um, a, a self-made boat, which is just a ceramic bathtub, which I always love the trope that a ceramic bathtub is just going to float in the middle of the ocean doesn't yours uh i mean you know on the couple of times that i've used it i've had to include like a rudder and a couple of other things to make sure it actually floats but you need that disney magic i need that disney magic um i had a note here that at one point uh pablo looks like he's pole dancing um oh, yeah a little bit which is on the boat but on hey the mast, slightly yeah on the mast but then yeah he makes it to the warm place and it's just like i guess this is cool but then realizes it's not as cool as he wants it to be. So he strives for his cold place again. Um, and the whole thing ends by saying that's human nature for you, even if you're a penguin. Which is an extremely weird thing to say. Also, I had a note about the, it happens throughout where the narrator, the overarching narrator, not the shorts narrator interacts with donald i don't like this terminator-esque personalized ai movie experience that was upsetting don't do that i was like why is donald not angry that this this movie that he set up suddenly knows who he is right because then it it starts it it starts to show him where i was like do you want to see some more birds which is kind of cool i like birds yeah but also like weird it's a little weird and like I don't know. I was a little, little like, hey, hey there, bird. Do you want to see some more birds? Because you don't know what birds look like. We're going to show you some sweet naked birds here now. Here's birds. We got to see some sassy birds, um, including one with a very extreme curve in his beak that uh, many listeners probably get internet ads for to help correct that curve. 
Uh, I wrote down, I like these birds, not the menace. And by menace, I mean the Atacoyan bird that they invented to annoy the shit out of everyone in this movie. Right? I don't know why. It was not comic relief. It was just obnoxious. <clears throat> I, I don't know why they needed that that bird. No, and then they used that, like, the bird segment as a segue into the next one where they were like, look, there's a bird in that nest. Just kidding. It's a flying little donkey. Yeah. Named Burrito, who is very cute, but very random. Burrito. Burrito. Also, um, the I looked up the narrator because I was curious because it's a person with a, an accent and there are some, um, I believe that, you know, has, um, the voice actor for Jose is, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking out on where he's from, but I know that the Well, actor- he's also from Brazil. Thank you. The yeah. and the actor for um, Panchito is from Mexico. Yeah, but um, this person is just Fred Shields, a white guy, doing an accent. Yeah, it's it's not great. It's not great. Um, there's also a, a yeah. It's not great. Well, no. it's not surprising that they're not using all like when we when we compliment this movie for using latin actors we are not hiding the fact that they're not using latin actors when they should or including other members of latin staff on the production to you know actually make this fair um right and they're very performative Mm -hmm. and there are this is definitely has more than than some like the live action women who do the dancing, those are, I think those are, you know, um, Brazilian and Mexican icons, respectively. Mm-hmm. And then, like I was mentioning, the actors for Jose and Panchito are also native. But then you do have these, and not only that, but, you know, Sterling Holloway didn't put on an accent to do the narration. Sterling Holloway just, just did the thing. Yeah. Fred Shields could have just been the narrator, but the mistake they made was making the narrator also the t- the titular character, the little gachito, which I have a note because they also refer to the little um, burro as burrito. Why didn't they just call this the flying burrito? That's so much cuter because the burro is also the one with the wings. Right. Like that would have been so much better. So much better. It is a cute little short though about like, you know, a little friendship, a boy and a, you know, little baby donkey with wings. Yeah. And, and did the donkey design remind you of Fantasia? Because it just looks yes. like they reused him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It definitely did look exactly like the um, ponies, the little, the little full centaurs. I, I would also say that this is like the only short uh, in this package that is edutainment like they tried to to teach us in kind of the same way that they tried to teach us with the goofy gaucho um yeah short in uh saludas amigos uh, everything else here is not framed as much to teach you terms or places or anything like that you know what it is framed to teach you <laughs> what objectify women i mean yeah. oh god that's for sure which I, we're going to get into that a little bit later, but just to go back to your point that this is out of all of the shorts, this is the one that does attempt to provide a little bit of cultural context, a little bit of vocabulary, not a lot, but again, yeah. when the bar is zero, if you're providing four, that's still better than zero. I, 
I also felt like this should have been the short that actually ends the film because they literally say goodbye at the end of it. (laughs) They do. And the whole end of the plot is just like this kid and this little donkey flying off into the skies forever. That's a very much like wave goodbye. So long glamour boys moment. Yeah. It's interesting how Disney doesn't know how to end films. Like we don't no, think about that, that out yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll just stumble out of the theater can uh, confused. I didn't I didn't yeah. hate these <laughs> first two shorts. Like I don't hate them, but truly not a whole lot happened. And they also don't feel like they belong in this movie. Like no, they really they, don't. They belong they belong with Saludas Amigos, which is definitely yes, much more sure. of just a, a, a random assortment of things. And and it's after these two shorts that we actually get our um cast of characters, as it were. Yeah, we start coming back to quote unquote the main plot if there is one, because here is where we get reintroduced to Jose himself. He yes. He, I have to say that out of the three of them, he's my favorite. He's my favorite caballero. He's got the most like cream puff energy where he's just like, hey, my friend, this is exciting. Food, drink, wild colors. Oh, man. He just, he's so into everything. <laughs> into everything. Everything. He's like, this is amazing. And um, he shows up. He's almost, the thing I like about him is that He's not excited for the presents for himself. He's excited for Donald to get his presents. Oh, he's so excited for Donald. And he he first shows up uh, by showing up in a pop-up book yes. of um, Aya. And it, it then becomes like, it's weird like bird FaceTime because <laughs> he's, uh, Jose shows up in a pop-up book. So he's small like mm-hmm. a physically small creature compared to Donald. And then mm-hmm. he magically transports Donald and shrinks him down Ant-Man size to have him join um, him in, in the pop-up book. Yeah. And this, I think that this is where the acid trip really starts. Yes. Uh, there were, it, it becomes a music video uh, of Baya, which is fine. But then we get like, multiplying jose's like there's one frame where you have a smoking small jose as a female dancer yes you do so weird i will say that like my notes here for the bahia number or that's this is where my page turn happened mm-hmm. i was actually very complimentary of the first half of this is you know i think that um i have to see his name right now because i don't know it by heart here it is jose de patrocinio oliveria oliveira um, that's the voice actor. Yeah. He has a beautiful voice. Um, that's uh, sorry. He has a he has a really nice speaking voice. So I love his charisma. But the singer is Nestor Arm um, Amaral. Amaral. I don't know where the emphasis on that. His name is Esther Amaral, and he's the singing voice. And I have written here that between the really really beautiful scenes of Bahia and the, you know that sort of nightclub latin uh male singer crooner's voice yeah i thought that was really really nice and then you have you know jose the character popping in to like dance around and be a little cheerful so it doesn't get a little too serious and be chattery because again like i said i like his voice actor his voice actor's got a lot of charisma he snaps back and forth he's clearly very into it love his laugh and I liked everything about this. I even liked, you know, when he brings Donald into the book with him. He's like, look, 
when back here i also like that chit chat they have back and forth where donald finally gets frustrated after um jose going have you been to bahia yeah <laughs> you should go and finally donald's like have you been to bahia and he's like no <laughs> let's go <laughs> exactly and then we meet yaya and this is to me where the direction changed and as you said the acid trip began yeah and uh yaya is the um live action woman right yes this yes. is this is a woman played by aurora miranda who is the sister to carmen, carmen miranda, miranda the this famous dancer um and uh that i i was i i wrote down in just big words live action woman because <laughs> it was just like wild to see this this actual real human woman show up um and then they kind of dance like she does a nice dance she gets she some does. backup dancers some male like a, a more human male backup dancers and they do this type of like shift back and forth dance which is what yeah. I, I would call it it's very um it's very being in a goth club everybody looking at their shoes and just not really being able to dance i know yeah um she dances very nicely she does dance very nicely i mean she's clearly very talented aurora uh, miranda is her name yes but and this is I why when i brought up, i did as well and this is why i brought up earlier that it has nothing to do with this performer aurora miranda is beautiful she's a wonderful singer and is a wonderful dancer it has to do with the fact that oftentimes they're you know like we were talking about the failed bechdel test they just introduce this character in in a way that doesn't actually make a lot of sense she just kind of shows up and also donald loses his fucking mind a thing he does now whenever a skirt shows up on the screen loses his shit yeah because he absolutely loses his mind if we know anything about donald duck he loves human women apparently according to this movie he is a fan yeah i guess later on in life maybe he settled down with daisy duck because he was like well my parents were really putting a lot of pressure on me marrying another duck or something like that but in his youth donald would gallivant with any human on two legs that he could find because this is exactly what he does he gets really really jealous over all the other male dancers to the point where jose has to be like no they're just dancing like this is part of the dance Mm-hmm. and at the very 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 end he just gives her some flowers and she gives him a kiss on the cheek in the same way that you might do if you're a nice person and he just like i said loses his mind he's like ah, my God. i found my wife i must move here <laughs> bananas and then i don't know oh the book closes and jose drags them both out of there Yes. And then they're, so then they're small. They're still small. And Donald wants to open up more of his gifts, but he's too small. And, and he Jose screams shows- out, no, no, he, before Jose shows him how to get big, Donald yells out. And I don't know if I should or can say this. <laughs> he says, and I quote, and he yells, I'm a midget. And then he turns to Jose, Jose, who's also small, and says, you're a that, too. Yeah. I'm sorry. I said the word once, and I'm not doing it again. Yeah. 
and and Jose um, is like, oh well, <laughs> it's so easy. All you have to do is just say a couple of these lines, and then you know do the old cartoon trick of blowing yourself up by using your thumb and putting it in your mouth and then blowing up your feet one by one until you know you're, you're full, full of hot air and, and this is big yeah this is very much not a close hand magic thing because um i don't know if you caught what he was saying and doing but he was basically doing like there's nothing in this sleeve there's nothing yeah. in that sleeve there's nothing under my hat there's nothing in my coat and he he's doing it in portuguese and he's you know doing a dance around and basically just you know doing that thing where you go and use as you can see this is a perfectly ordinary paper bag mm-hmm. he, he's doing that sort of whole song and dance and then he blows himself up and then Donald <laughs> and he blows himself up <laughs> And Donald weeps for a million years. Uh, no, he becomes normal size and Donald tries to do it and it goes all Spongebob. Yeah, and then uh, Donald can't do it and he, and he turns into all of these different weird shapes. It's very um, chaos magic where he just didn't fully understand what he was doing. Um, but eventually no. he gets it. And I also remember like we get Oh my god, I forgot the Mexican children Christmas song. Yes. This this uh so before that though is I wrote down here who did we grab from the RNC because we suddenly just get a bunch of fucking gunshots going off. Yeah. And this is clearly a surprise to both of them because not only Donald but Jose also runs. They're both like, "Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> What's happening?" And- of course, this is our introduction to our pistolero from uh, Mexico. From Mexico. Uh, Panchito. Uh, who, Panchito, who I, I like, but I have th- two things about Panchito's arrival. Number one, that was a lot of gunshots. And number two, neither Jose nor Donald seem to know who he is. Or if they know who he is, they are extremely surprised to see him to the point where they are more terrified than joy, overjoyed to see him. And he immediately starts off a song, not even saying, well, mostly not even saying like, hi, how are you? Just immediately launches into a song like, aren't we besties? Guys, we're besties. I, and I, you know, I really wish that this movie had been named the three gay caballeros because that is (laughs) one, like the song is where are the three caballeros, three gay caballeros. caballeros. Yeah. And it's, um, and also why wasn't this the ending song because this is very much a like hey we're all pals now let's all get together and sing and we're gonna be bfs forever i agree with you but also i found out that if you adjust this timing right in your brain you can turn it into the intro lines for the knights of the round table oh god you can you can it's uh we're three caballeros, just three caballeros. We do routines and chorus scenes of footwork impeccable. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's perfect. <laughs> it says it works and I'm sorry. Oh, I heard, okay. Uh... <laughs> Very small tangent. Have you seen the Please. Lego uh, animation of that? No, I'm going to have to do that now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Google Knights of the Round Table Lego. It's adorable. Um, okay, Lego Round Table. <laughs> but yeah, so so like... This this sequence where they introduce them, this is what mm-hmm. I really remember from my childhood. Um, and it, I also really remember the gigantic pinata that they have as part of that sequence. I had never seen this before. This was the first time I'd seen this, but I knew that song. And I think it must have been in some sort of like a sing-along or something, because I, I now remember having heard it before. So I mean, it was a... a, 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 a that was even familiar to me, but yeah, I'd never seen the pinata um, thing. But after they sing their where Bestie's song, yeah, the last gift is um, pinata that's literally big enough for the three of them to Trojan horse it. Yeah, and 
that would have been fine. And then for some reason, they shoehorn in a Christmas segment. Yeah, I found that really, really weird. But two things. This premiered December 21st. Um, so this was a Christmas release. Oh, okay. <clears throat> that explains it. So there was that. Um, and I, <sighs> I think it's also because one of the festivities on Christmas in certain parts of Mexico involved that's at least the implication that I got here, because here, here's what the Wikipedia says about yeah. this this particular segment. Las Posadas. This is the story of a group of Mexican children who celebrate Christmas by reenacting the journey of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and St. Joseph searching for a room at the inn. Posada meant inn or shelter, and their parents told them no posada at each house until they came to one where they were offered shelter in a stable. This leads to festivities, including the breaking of the piñata, which in turn leads to Donald Duck trying to break his own piñata as well. Hmm. that that's how i'm getting the tie-in from those number one because it was a christmas release and then number two it does seem that i mean again here in the united states we we don't do do pinatas and what have you but i can see that being a tie-in yeah Um, so i I think as soon as you said that this was released on christmas that was the key for me like they're like oh well we know pinatas are super super mexican how do we get that into our film yeah christmas guys let's make this a christmas film yeah, and he, so the next number weird. Okay, the next number is just called Mexico. <laughs> yes, first of all, it is just called Mexico. Secondly, it is and isn't part of my favorite. Number one, I like this one because it's a little bit more educational. You go to a couple places and you see the traditional dances of those areas. However, this once again falls prey to the exact same problem before, which is where a woman is introduced and becomes a sexual object. And um, yes, and in this particular number, there's not a specific woman in the same way that we had um, Aurora Mananda's Yaya Mm -hmm. in the first number. But like every time there's a woman on Donald wants to dance with her, it basically has to be forcibly dragged away. Um, And this is another live action animation combo in a, it looks like a photo album. So Panchito shows them a photo and then they fly in on this magic sarape or, you know, a flying carpet. Mm-hmm. And then they look, watch the dance, do the dance, leave and go into another painting. I mean, another photograph until they come to Acapulco Beach, yeah. wherein we have a Hugh Hefner style moment. Like, what so the fuck? Yeah. So Jose and Panchito are just on the sarape going like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. Like Jose is having a ball. Jose is excited. He's like, look at this. Pretty, 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 pretty. Yeah. And Donald decides to do a hardcore dive bomb off the carpet onto the beach, which for some reason is occupied exclusively by hot young women. Hot young the the whitest women you've ever seen in mexico and so i i just saw trivia that apparently the uh acapulco beach sequence uh was filmed in the parking lot of the disney studio <laughs> so that would explain it because i was watching this and i was like these are the the whitest latin americans i've ever seen and like, it also didn't not, look like, like just beach. in not diversity yeah and there's like no no diversity there no. um and apparently that explains it and it is it's it's kind of this is a sequence where if you change the music it would be a horror film and i would love to see an edit of that where someone just changes the music because then suddenly it's donald terrorizing all of these women on the beach 
Or else you speed it up and add the Benny Hill theme on there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just so in case anyone hasn't figured it out because we are being weirdly vague what basically happens is donald blindfolds himself it's an animated blindfold and then chases these women around as they giggle and scream and <laughs> stay exactly the tiki yeah. frolicky thing and this goes on for about two to three minutes yeah this isn't like a five second thing where you're like oh you this goes on it goes on and on and on and uh it only ends because Panchito and Jose come down and grab him and Donald gives Jose like 14 kisses and Jose is like wow yeah <laughs> this is this is 100% um the the locals uh gathering their way too drunk friend yeah like listen we didn't want you to get too into it. We wish we hadn't said that you were our American cousin because yeah. uh, you got way too many free shots. You're making a mess of yourself. You insulted that man's mother. So we're just going to move you. Yo. Yeah. It, it, so they're still flying, by the way. And the this is the longest number number in in the movie. It's probably about 15 minutes. I didn't write write it down, but it, it's it's quite lengthy. And it is also the weirdest one. So apparently these are two sequences. Yes, they are. Um, yes, they are. But I'm grouping them into one because even in the wiki, they are they are grouped into one as You Belong to My Heart and Donald's Surreal Reverie. Yeah. And it is just fucking weird. It's so fucking weird. It. It starts off, and it's this is does this, this reminds me of something that I saw in someone else's movie review of the Star Wars Christmas special, which I've never seen. Oh, but apparently there's also a sequence <laughs> in there um, where it's this woman singing, <laughs> and it just is like you know frames of her face that just appear in weird surreal settings. Yes, and yeah. That's oh God, I forgot about that. Oh my god yeah. <laughs> you're welcome so this is very much what happens here and again this the the song the nope the singer is named dora luz stunning gorgeous a beautiful voice and the song itself is absolutely gorgeous i have absolutely no complaints once again this is the thing where it's like she is a stunning performer but her entire purpose in this is to basically be like a romantic MacGuffin for donald like that's her purpose in this yeah number and but only her face but when it so that's the first half the first half is just this thing and it starts off as this beautiful love song and then we start to get this weird almost like you know when you're driving across state lines and the radio starts doing that weird weird thing it's cutting back and forth it starts doing that and that's why i'm also counting these as two numbers yeah because the second one cuts in and out of the first one until it takes over yeah it the second the 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 surreal reverie which is very surreal um i wrote what the fantasia what the fantasia is really good i wrote why the flower women uh because (laughs) for some reason in the sequence what happens is um uh the singer um dora dora's face uh becomes projected onto flowers like Yes. The rest of the song is is her live action human face as the center of an animated flower that keeps moving and interacting with Donald 
Yeah. She has no body. Nope. It's just a flower face. Yep. Oh my god, what drugs did they feed Donald? I don't know, because the same drugs they feed him cause him to have these snapping hallucinations of Panchito and Jose singing like sing shrieking verses of the three caballero song and this yeah. goes back and forth with the like oh love song three caballeros and there's love and it goes back and forth like this until we just see panchito and jose walking out of the uh the opening of a horn yeah they're just like okay we're here now oh nope nope i skipped something uh we see uh another dancer Another dancer comes in after oh, Dora yeah. Luz's face goes away. And this is Carmen Molina. So we now have three women by name that Donald goes on to chase after, along with the innumerous unnamed ones. This and is a, what, can you remind me what, what Carmen was wearing in this one? Because we also have this, the yes, uh, yes, yes. Cacti this is, Girl. This is Cacti Girl. Okay. So I wanna I do want to mention also something something before that. Okay. Um because the other theme of this seems to be women like yes it's it's not just the woman's face in the flower like we see just female dancers or female represent representation and the way that that uh carmen's dance comes into play is we just see cacti and there's one cactus in the back that suddenly starts shaking its sexy little cactus hips and transforms itself into a woman a human live action woman dressed as a cactus and then she uh, gets into my favorite outfit of the movie, her Charro's outfit, which is the, oh, it's amazing. She's got a, she's got this whip that she uses to just create cactuses that dance with her. Right. Cactus dominatrix is what I called her. Cactus dominatrix, indeed. I'm a huge fan of this. Apparently the name of the song is Jejuzita in Chihuahua, um, says it's a trademark song of the Mexican Revolution interesting interesting to represent it with uh this but okay i I know nothing about the song so maybe this is about a cactus woman who leads the revolution i have no idea but the the thing this is where um jose and panchito come in uh running out with their horn so now we're sort of I thought we were quote unquote back to, and by reality, I mean like where the present is. Like yeah. I thought we were back to where like the gifts are, but then we're, we're not, we're still back in a hallucination because one of the things that came out of the pinata was like a bunch of like masks and candy. And for some reason there was a whole ass, like, it looks like a go-kart with a toy bull on top of it. Yeah. Uh, that thing is back and Donald's inside of it. And up until recently, I could I would say that the three Donald of them seemed, became the bull. He did, but I would also say that between the caballeros themselves, they seem to have a reasonable relationship. Like they like to kid each other, like to prank each other, but most parts seem to be cool. Uh, these two torture Donald while he's in the bull. They replace the bull costume's tail with firecrackers, mm-hmm. and so they light those on fire and then just start like lobbing other fireworks under the contraption with him. So. The more that we're discussing this, the more that I have an idea of what this was supposed to represent. And I don't think that this is actually what it's supposed to represent, because I think in reality, this is just a batshit crazy um, (laughs) concept that the animators came up with because they were at half staff. People were off at war and they didn't know what to do. But I think that this sequence is supposed to be um, 
Jose and Panchito uh, taking Donald on a tour of Latin American brothels. And that's why there's all of these beautiful women uh, that show up. That's why Donald is drunk on love. And eventually um, he gets stuck in a field with a bull. And that's them trying to be like, come on, get the hell out of here. We got to take you home. You're about to get arrested. It's just so weird how this started one way. Like, happy birthday, Donald. Here are some presents for you. And it's like, here, we're going to light a costume you're wearing on fire. Why don't you go sprinting? Yeah, we're literally going to light a firecracker in your ass. Light a fire under his ass. And like I said, <laughs> oh, oh, uh, uh, I, I only have two, two things against uh, Jose. Mm-hmm. Number one is this firecracker incident with Donald. You can't treat your friends like that. No. And number two is a line. Um, well, this is... Uh, it applies to all three of them, but because I've been only complimentary of Jose until now, um, I would have been complimentary of Panchito if he hadn't showed up with an, an entire AK-47. <laughs> but um, there's a line in the Three Caballeros song says something like, when some Latin baby says yes, no, or maybe, it's every man for himself. That's the line. And it wasn't, le- and uh, I think the animation of the time to- at this time was, you know, the three of them just chittering around. And then when it says every man for himself, the three of them turn into one of those like little whiff clouds of fighting, fighting, roaring, fighting. And then they, you know, chase after some imaginary woman. But the point is the line was not, it was yes, no, or maybe. So it was like, regardless of the consent involved, we'll fight each other for any available broad. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, that, that attractive woman is saying uh, no to you. Well, we're gonna all try it. Let's just let's just bombard her with our masculine energy until she has to agree to one of us. Because you know the implication. Th- there's implications there. Like if she doesn't, so that it's... that's what that is. That is. So... Yeah, exactly. And oof. I that's all I have on this. <laughs> I I really don't have anything else on this. Do you have anything else on this before I get into our cardinal questions? Yeah. Um. I I don't have too much else to add to this other than I this also just kind of ended like yes yes there's it did. the the plot still just kind of it there were multiple ways that we pointed out that this could have ended in a really nice kind of wrap-up si- situation but no it's just all right well great welcome yeah. welcome back from the brink of death I guess Donald or sexual lust or whatever the hell yeah. you were doing it's just, it's just the three of them with their wings around each other like yeah yeah we made it we're still alive sorry we didn't mean to kill you exactly exactly so yeah let's let's do the wrap-up questions all right gally did you like this movie and would you recommend it god i liked parts of it i i think that seeing the uh little penguin Mm -hmm. um was very cute and i think that seeing that the cold-blooded penguin there we go cold-blooded penguin is a cute little short watch that everything else don't watch it unless you are planning some type of acid trip because if so then then i do recommend it otherwise no i just recommend you look up the short (laughs) I did not like it. I, I, I liked it a short. lot and I didn't like it. That's weird to say. <laughs> I I liked it until I didn't. And unfortunately, I didn't like enough of it before that point happened. I My complaint 
for this and no I don't recommend it and I, I kind of want to explain a little bit as to why and I think it's, it's kind of a lot of my explanation from last um last week too mm-hmm. is that I wanted more of what was not given to me like I really liked at the beginning of Bahia and um the uh flip book the pop-up book that Jose and Donald were actually interacting again like having a conversation hey how you been doing good you ever been to this place they have all this stuff what's that I don't know let's find out yeah you know it's people going on a trip and I did also think that the you know despite being ridiculously uh gun happy I did like the dynamic that Panchito brought up because he was more up he was equally upbeat like Jose but a little bit more, he seemed a little bit more knowledgeable and a little bit as weird as I'm going to say, this is going to sound grounded in the sense that he <laughs> seems like he's, he's like, not in the gun happy, but Jose seems a little bit naive. Yeah. Which is not bad, but it's like, I do like their dynamic as a group. However, then you introduce these side plots where these women are brought in specifically to be hit on by a cartoon and turned into nothing else but that. And I found that that was really distracting from anything that they were attempting to do. And I think that that's my problem is that it was too much of a distraction. And again, it was almost a distraction from their own incredible talent. Like all three of these women have wonderful voices and are beautiful dancers. I had no problem with watching them, but it's sort of like if they had been made into their own sort of documentary or where I could have just seen them perform like an Mm -hmm. RKO variety show of the time, I would have been a little bit happier and maybe just followed the animated journey separately. Because as they were, I didn't think that they wove in an educational way. And if anything, kind of only really made each other look worse. And that's unfortunate considering what it was supposed to be. So unlike the last movie, I did not like this one and I do not recommend it. Yeah, I I do agree with you. I think this movie was very much a product of its time. Yeah. Uh, And and... sorry, I think that that's also why I brought up the culture at the beginning. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, This movie is a product of its time. There's a lot of stuff that is like, perplexingly frustrating about it um but it is also impressive that we get these these two to three i'll say characters uh iconic characters that came out of this mess of a movie um so hey maybe the three caballeros too is where they really hit their stride i don't know we're not watching that next that might not happen for who knows how long if ever (laughs) no idea but yeah there was one thing I had meant to bring up, and this was just sort of about the popularity of Latin music in general at the time, because this movie came out in 1944. Mm-hmm. And I brought up last time as well, and I'm a big fan of I Love Lucy. And you see that a lot where there was the, a lot of, you know, with um, Desi Arnaz uh, being uh, playing a nightclub singer. And there was a pretty big trend towards Latin music at the time here. And this is just from a Wikipedia um, article that I found. And just to sum it up, it says, as one author explained, the rising popularity from the 40s, Latin America, the one part of the world not engulfed in World War II, became a favorite topic for songs and films for Americans who wanted momentarily to forget about the conflagration. Mm. So that's also part of it, too. So not only were they trying to, you know, in the 40s and 50s, they were doing these goodwill missions towards Mexico. There was also sort of a fondness and nostalgia towards the culture. And I think that you can also kind of see that in in this way, because at the time it was revolutionary to bring in this many native people and we're making fun yeah. of them for not bringing in more native people we're like why are these white people narrating but at the time i'm pretty sure people were like that's so many not white people yeah it's brave it's very brave yeah that's that's another like 
again, we're we're reviewing this film. Um, how many <laughs> decades later? Like, I can't it's, do math. Yeah, life has has changed incredibly. Uh, well, also, I don't want to say what year we're releasing this so that our podcast is timeless. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's Oops. watch it knowing that it is a product of its time. Yes. enjoy it but also know that it's just real freaking weird no matter what it's super weird honestly if you wanted to watch one, uh, one of the movies or like which one of the disney films is better for you know their display at latin culture i say watch saludos amigos even though i didn't particularly love that one i think that one has the better shorts but uh that's just me i don't have i don't i don't think i have anything else no i i don't think so either um and i wish we had translated so long glamour boys into another language but you know what damn it (laughs) you know what that's just the type of uh dedication you're not going to get from us on this pod so so long glamour glamour boys damsels who discuss is created and produced by crow's nests podcast your hosts are galley articola and alexia thurumalai you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash damsels who discuss all one word on Instagram at Instagram.com slash damsels who discuss all one word again. And on Twitter at Twitter.com slash damsels who disco because Twitter has a character limit. Or you can also email us at damsels who discuss at gmail.com. So long, glamour boys. So long, glamour boys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>